This week is some of the guys that weren't here last week. We've oh. got uh, Scott, I think. Hola. Hola. We got Devin back with us. Bonjour. Mr. Rob is in the house. Buenos. Hellos. And Dan. Sorry, still no Dan. Um, no Dan. Big day of work for Dan. Got called in, staying late. Uh, still dutifully taking care of Elaine recovering. So all the best to you, Elaine. We're here. You're doing better. So that's great. Yes. And, uh,. We're just going to run without Dan. So the inmates are running the asylum. So uh, buckle up, uh, <laughs> cover your children's ears, and uh, get ready for episode 22. So we're on a learn or something. Devin, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. What have you been up to? I've been a very busy boy. Ooh. Yeah, what do you do? So I've actually been working a lot <clears throat> and traveling a lot. and trying to get some travel time in before I start school. So... That's what I was doing. I was last week. I was working on site at a job. That went great. Besides that, I didn't actually do any flying this weekend. It was kind of cold, lame. That's all right though, because you flew the week before, right? That we haven't heard about. Yes, I did fly the week before. I, fly anything special? It's kind of flashy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it bedazzled? It's bedazzled, flashy. You know. Uh-huh. No, yeah, we um, I have received one of the prototype versions of the Flash, and got that built together, and test flying, waiting for a couple other things. It's very close. We don't have a definitive date yet, so don't everyone start jumping all over me uh, about <laughs> oh, when's release? When's really we no definitive date yet. It's almost so, here, huh? It's, Are they going to have a close. flash still? <laughs> <laughs> Will there be a flash mob? At the <laughs> hey, there you I go. hope so. That'd be great. So we should call the, the flight team whenever you guys show up with those hellies. Oh, shit. Flash mob. Uh, <laughs> boom. All right, Devin, I'm going to give you a big challenge. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> okay. In a minute. Not yet. We're going to ask you how the new version of the flash flew. And your challenge is to not answer with good fine or okay yeah we need at least 20 words yes much elaboration okay it go. looks sweet that you didn't ask how to fly <laughs> um so if i'm gonna go off base it off the last version that i had which was going on over the summer in june when tragedy struck this earth and it was no longer with us yep um it's not entirely different did you nickname it Tragedy when Tragedy um, struck this earth? It's not exactly different. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that because that was really <laughs> stupid. When it hit the ground, did it stay still or did it do a flash dance? Uh, 
it kind of like bounced f- back up five feet. Um, mm. Very Boing. spectacular. <clears throat> one of no, a, seriously, how to fly? So the Flash is a very light model, very light, extremely light. Actually, we have we don't have I haven't actually weighed it, but I can just tell you that it's very light. It's probably super agile then. It's it's very snappy, very snappy around around off the center as well. Very snappy. Nice. Uh, very fast, typical Oxy fashion. It's a very fast helicopter. Uh, it responds really well to stick movements. The, the pitch control is awesome. You know, there are some helis yeah. out there that are kind of sluggish on the pitch. Yeah, kind of squishy. Yeah, not the case. The complete opposite. It's, it's actually quite touchy on the pitch, which I like. I, I do like being able to feel my pitch and know where I am exactly, which I think it's great. Yeah, that's cool. It probably helps a lot for like hard stops and things like that too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and those hard stops, it's there. It's yeah, just like 100, 100% bang. Yeah, it's it's all there. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, that's like, yeah. Feeling up your pitch and 100% bang. <laughs> Get it, Devin. Hell yeah. Got you, brother. Um, Very fast, very agile, like we said. The pitch feels... Awesome. I, I can't get over that how good the pitch feels. Um geometry of the heli is very good. Very good. I do very much enjoy the geometry. I don't know exactly what it is myself. I haven't looked. Um very good. I think that's where the, a lot of the feel comes from. Very yeah, important. Very line importantly so. Yeah. It's it's everything is very square. It's when I put it together, I was very impressed and very happy to see how well all the geometry squared together. It was it was perfect. Matter yeah, of fact, that's nice. Nice straight lines on the lengths oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Straight line, ninety degree angles. It was it was very good. And I haven't turned it up because there's a couple other things I'm waiting for it to come for it. So I was taking it very easy. It was seventeen and nineteen hundred on the head. And fifteen hundred. I just did fifteen hundred for the maiden to do some quick tuning, make sure I didn't do anything stupid. Yeah, like forget the Loctite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then flew it at a couple flights for that, just to get make sure check everything afterwards. I always do that whenever I do a maiden. I always do a flight or two on it, and then go through every single bolt. Most importantly, the spindle bolts because. I, I would say about more than three quarters of the time, the spindle bolts, even with the Loctite, do end up loosening up on my helis. Oh, interesting. I will say that. Uh, so, but they were tight. They did not come loose. Nice. Um, I do, yeah, because I usually have to uh, go from the blue Loctite on the spindle bolts to red. So, mm, yeah, yeah. That was great. They did not come loose. That was amazing. And overall, that I have. Probably only roughly five flights on that heli, and I already feel like I've been flying it for months. That's it's, nice. So you just settled right into it, huh? Oh, yeah. right into it. It's very comfortable heli. You get comfortable very fast. Nice, nice. Been- so you, you've got that one set up for 12 cell. I suppose that's kind of the intended plan for that. You said it's really light, though, too. So what are your, what's your thoughts just like 
off the top of your head, do you think that would run well on like eight cells or 10 cells or something with a different motor? You know, kind of people try to do like go sort of Puma style with that, you know? So like- you very well could um, for rate for our, when we did testing on it earlier in the year, we, most of us, I think, in fact, all of us ran it on 12 cell. We, we never, we didn't go down to 10. We didn't go down to eight. It, we, we were all 12 S just because we want to make sure, you know, if you run it on 12, 12 S and you start turning the head speed up in, tw- in 12 S, that kind of secures all the lower voltage batteries and everything like that. If it can handle, right. if it can handle the 12 S, if somebody wants to put the 10 S in it or do eight S, it's you just, know it will. It, it, it'll, you know, it'll do it and it'll just be lighter overall. Yeah. Word. And so I have not, um, I'm in the future when it gets to released and we start getting more opinions out for it. Uh, I'm sure that it will 100% be a big thing that'll be done because it is a pretty light machine. It's yeah. So I would expect to maybe see some 10s versions of it. I don't know about 8s because that's might be kind of a stretch. Yeah, maybe some. It 10S is a, stuff, it is yeah. a 700, and if if you're a sport pilot, it, you'll probably really enjoy 8s. But if you if you do any kind of harder 3D, 10s is probably going to give you the the best, you know, pretty light, but yeah. your, your amp draw also won't be through the roof. Right, right. And you can handle the disc load and stuff yes. a little bit easier and all that. Yeah, for sure, man. But my overall opinion of the helicopter so far is it's so comfortable for me that, and I connected with it so well, I think it flies absolutely amazing. Nice. It looks really cool. It looks cool on the ground. And that, I watched that video after you guys did the open box video. And then there was the flight, those first flights. It looks pretty cool. I kind of yeah. want to know, like, it sounds weird, but I kind of want to know if you could get that thing moving fast enough to make the tail whistle. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> oh, because it's got the, <laughs> the, yeah, tail. the, the APS hole or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. One other thing I can say is the gear train on the heli is probably the smoothest gear train, electric gear train I've seen since going to like gasser and nitros word that's cool it's been you zero pitch after flying or something like that just sitting on the ground it spins forever nice so all the rotations are probably pretty nice on that beast oh yeah you throw 700s on there which is the max size for that heli six six nine sixes right around there you know um it autos really well so I can say I, that it's it's just a it's really a piece of art. The machining on it is beautiful. Everybody, I'm sure a lot of people saw the picture on Facebook that my dad posted of that machined uh, main gear. Yeah, dude, that was nice looking, exquisite. Oh yeah, it was, and it just meshes great, and it runs. It just runs super smooth, and doesn't make a noise. It's that's awesome. Awesome, flies really so, well. Super happy. There's lots of Oxy fans out there, obviously. So for all the Oxy guys and girls that uh, have been enjoying the Oxy 5 Meg, like how would you compare it to that helicopter? Oh, boy. Well, I have, personally, my Oxy 5 is an HF. So it's the hopped up version of the Oxy 5 Meg, if you want to say, right? Or the strict, the regular. You have both options with that heli. Yeah. And the feel is very 
similar because it's still the oxy fashion, right? It follows it follows the trend of the oxy of being a very fast helicopter if you want it to be, and very very agile but also very smooth. And I think you can compare it very much to an oxy five, but you're swinging seven hundred blades and you get this seven hundred feel. If everyone knows what I'm talking about, if anyone has flown a 500 or a 600 class and then you jump up to your 700s and you just have that bigger blade, smoother, a little more bit float. smoother, a little bit more float. It's along those lines. Yeah, nice. So it's lighter than the 5 mag then, the flashes? I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't answer that. I do know the flash it was because I did weigh the beta that I had and that was very light. It was very light. I... I don't remember yeah. the exact numbers. It was around the Puma, I think, though, but that was before the Puma was released, so we didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the new one is. I do plan on uh, doing, when the next time I go flying, grabbing like my, uh, my baggage, um, wet stuff that I use to weigh my baggage when I go on trips for work, and doing a dry weight and a ready-to-fly weight. And... Uh, Starting getting a little bit of information out there for everyone that's asking. Yeah, nice. Anything else you've been up to in the hobby? Hobby-wise? No, not really. Uh, pretty quiet, I will say. My dad finally actually... Actually, th- that's not true. My dad, to just today, because today was Martin Luther King Day, of course. So he had off. I did not. Um, he went flying today while I went to work. Did he send you pictures from the field? <laughs> no, thank God, or else I actually might have gone berserk. <laughs> um, but the Oxy-5 gas conversion from gas-powered helicopters. Um, he got the GT-15 running, and he said that thing is amazing. Nice. He got 12-minute flight time on, off of half a tank. Wow. Dang, dude, that ain't bad. He's super happy. Yeah, it's when he told me that, I was like, wow, that's real good. So he's super happy with that. He's been fighting with that heli for a couple weeks now, and he got it running today, flying, breaking it in, and he's super happy and pumped. So that's That's always good too. But besides that, I spent most of the weekend working on my truck, actually. Yeah, Um, how's the training going? So... The tranny, I, ha- I have received all the parts except for the valve body. The valve body's still in Utah. They're rebuilding, uh. they're rebuilding that for me. Um, but I have gotten all the clutch packs, all the steels, any, up- any other upgrades, the anchor for the bands, everything, all the billet, input shaft, everything like that. And I've gotten that in the trans. And of course, I can put the trans together because I also have received the torque converter. So I can do all my clearances and the clearance tool that I ordered never showed up. And no. that's what I need to get the trans together. So close, but yet so far away. Ooh. So we ordered it like a week and a half ago, never got an email. So we decided yesterday, all right, eBay, there we go. There's one on eBay and we got shipping confirmation. That's supposed to be here at the end of the week. So I'm hoping maybe this weekend there will be a tranny back in my truck. So nice. that'll, that'll be really good. My truck will be driving. It'll have a nice uh, tranny in it. 
for towing my 30-foot camper. Shut yeah. up, Nick. I'm just saying you don't need any more freebies. You should move on quickly. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. But Tom and I are both biting our tongue hard. All right, so I, the transmission is in and hoping the it's just set up for, it's going to be set up for towing my toy hauler camper to events. Nice. So, but that was basically my past two weeks. All right. I think I'm going to go ahead and go next because I don't have much, so it won't take long. Uh, since we last recorded, I was in Orlando then, and I've kind of been traveling nonstop for work since. Uh, I'm going to have to take a no-fly. I didn't even get a chance to fly a micro in the backyard. Oh. Uh, being that between jobs, I was only home for like 16 hours. So spent that time with my kids. Did you at least get to sim? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, but yeah, first quarter for me, like first four months of the year or three to four months are pretty stupid busy. Um, so yeah, I didn't get that done. Uh, Devin, you're going to be excited to hear. I put a little time into organizing my workbench a little bit more. Oh, wow. If only I had called that out a couple weeks ago. Damn. I know, right? Well, I have this like table. It's actually a, um, like one of those craftsman type deals with the drawers, uh, to my left when I sit at the workbench and on top it's covered with like tools and glues, adhesives, and it's getting too full. So I bought some shelves to kind of elevate some of that stuff, make some space. So I haven't installed them yet, but they're here. Uh, so working on that. And uh, so I travel a ton and I have this philosophy where when you're on the road all the time and you're constantly in and out of town, you get tired of packing and unpacking, packing and unpacking. So you end up buying two of everything you want to take with you when you travel. So you can just leave it in your suitcase if you're on the road like half of the year like I am. So I finally have gotten tired of packing up all my tools at the workbench and then taking them to the field and then bringing them back and setting them up on my workbench to build stuff. So I'm slowly doubling my tool set so I can leave one set ready to go to the field and have a different set on my workbench. So I started working on kind of organizing that. So that's the limit of the hobby stuff I've done is order some hand tools and uh, like a little tool stand, like a screwdriver stand. So that's kept me entertained a little bit. But, uh, you know... Nothing great. Um, I do. Thank you, Rob. Have it a little announcement I'm happy to make. I did, in fact, sim. Finally. Yay! All right. I uh, simmed two times, three times in the last week and a half, I think. So not a ton, but I got some in. I'm still, I, I need to work on focusing that sim time. So I think I really need to like write a list of the things I really should be working on instead of the things I actually worked on. So kind of screwed around a little and was, you know, just being a goofball in the sim like you do. So I need to focus and make the time more productive. But uh, at least I got the sim out and got the heli tuned kind of the way I want it. And I got it set up with my Radio Master Zorro, which is a tiny little transmitter. It's super portable. And uh, got that going. Yeah, but that's kind of it for me, man. Back on the road this week. I don't know if I'm going to get to fly before next week because I'm going... Shoot, I can't even remember where I'm flying next week. Oh, Boston. And it's damn cold up there. So uh, probably a no fly again next week. But here's hoping I can sneak a quick flight in when I get home. We'll see. Anyway, that's it for me, man. Yeah, who, uh, there you go. who wants to go next? I'll go. So um, I got to take the big birds out yesterday, which was nice. Um, most of the week has just been like sim time and stuff because it's been kind of cold and snowy and whatever. Um, funny thing about that though, 
Uh, I was looking at my radio today. I got done stemming a little bit earlier today and I looked down and it was, uh, it said uh, 14 hours and 56 minutes and my timer on my flights are like four minutes. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll just do one more flight. And I, I tipped it over 15 hours. So I did 15 hours of stemming in the last like seven and some change, six and a half, seven days or whatever. So Damn. getting a good steady couple hours a day in, you know, where I can, you know, like half hour here and there, or whatever, an hour here and there. Are any know, of my, those hours while you're on the clock for work? Maybe. Maybe Ooh. not. I don't you know. Bonus points. Those hours get doubled. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but see, I kind of um, am uh, guilty of some of kind of what you were talking about, Nick. And some of my, a lot of my time ends up kind of not really being very directed. Or I start with it being directed. And then I just kind of degenerate into random stick banging and doing portions of tricks that I know how to do and really not working on transitions or anything, just trying to keep it off the ground, you know? Um, but uh, kind of like we talked about when we were talking with Brian, you know, just being able to have that discipline, you know, find that the way to discipline myself to actually do it, spend a whole pack just doing one thing, you know? Um, shit, I have a hard time doing that in real life too, you know what I'm saying? So that's one of those skills I still got to work on. But I will say, uh, for what it's worth, you know, all that time still, all, all that muscle memory is growing. All the synapses are bonding and doing all the things they got to do. So flying is just, it's slowly becoming less and less apprehensive and stuff. I know at the beginning of our podcast, I used to talk about some of those things. Like I thought it'd be easier to just shake the dust off and get back to flying. But I'm, I feel like I'm starting to get over that hump where I can just kind of blast it open and get back to new, new learning, you know? Um, when I took the, I took the, uh, 570 out and, uh, my T-Rex 500 also, I took them out, um, yesterday and had a great time. I, uh, was able to do, a, you know, my regular hard sport that I normally do, but I was able to do some of the, some of these other tricks that I've been working on and tighten them up a little bit more and, I don't know how I did it, but I pulled like a perfect, like it would have been like, I would have gathered probably been close to it, like a, a perfect score, like a really good score, like perfectly circular, slow Piro loop that I entered it forward, did a full, like one, only just one nice slow Piro in this huge, like probably like 30, 40 foot loop. And it was a perfect circle. And I came back out of it like a laser going forward. And I was like, hell yeah. Right. And I was like stoked in the flight. Couldn't reproduce it to save my life, you know, after that, but a loop, um, like Piro loop or a Piro like, loop, like a, a really big Piro loop, you know? Dang. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. And I was like, Whoa. And I wasn't, I wasn't going directly beside myself. I was actually coming sort of at myself at a 45 degree angle, but I was off in the distance and I came in and I did the, this loop and I just started pulling away from myself and my, my fingers are just all in the right spot, you know, stuff I practice in the sim. And I saw myself going up and I realized I was doing the trick and I was like, I don't know. At first, my first thought was like, I don't know how to do that trick. And I'm like, wait, I must know how to do this trick. I'm doing this trick. This trick looks fucking great. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so tell so, me, did you ship bricks on the downline or no? No, the last, the last like quarter of it, dude, the last quarter of it, by then I was like, it was like coming down the hill on a roller coaster. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way through <laughs> the end of it, you know? Um, but, and so I don't know. I like that, you know, and, um, I'm getting more and more of those, those epic moments, you know what I'm saying? So someday, so cool. 
I know, right? Hopefully before the snow is gone, I'll be able to actually string a few of those together. You know, I can, I can do, I can do some good tricks, some big tricks and I can, I can't. Okay. I, you know, you, you were talking about a while back when we, uh, you came, you told us about the cone, you know, being able to do tricks over the cone and you had said, I can do a pyro flip, but if I can't do it in one spot right over the cone, I'm not good enough yet. And it's always stuck with me. I can do pyro flips too, but I'm slowly tightening it up. I'm not at cone level, right? But I'm probably like at like, I don't know, when I do a pyro flip, I can keep it in like a a, a 10 foot bubble. You know what I mean? And I think that's pretty awesome. damn good, right? Yeah. The more um, you do that, the faster you're going to learn stuff too. It's just going to start like cascading in all these cool yeah. new things you can do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So I've been having a field day with that. It's not a, it's as much outside time as I can muster way up here in the Northern latitudes. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, I, I still had a great time. So yeah, no, there's no, no fly happening over here in my world. I had all kinds of fun. So, uh, but yeah, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's fantastic, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, speaking of pyro loops, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. So forgive me. But there's a gentleman who's been posting YouTube videos in the Hangout of global 3D standard maneuvers. And he oh. just posted a great one this week of the Pyro Loop, and he breaks it down into all the different skills you need to learn in order to be able to pull one off. And I thought that was really cool. I don't think I'm ready to try uh, one anytime soon. Yeah. But uh, I like his style of explaining these maneuvers and how they're done. It's cool. <laughs> As he does. That it, is like, neat. Okay, so first... First, you need to learn how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, he's, he's a very good pilot, actually. He's an amazing pilot, especially because he's doing these consecutive loops, and it's in the sim because he's screen recording to teach. But he's like, I'm going to show you a pyro loop with two pyros, and then with four pyros, and then with six pyros, and they're perfectly yeah. spaced. So you divide the quantity of pyros by two, and that's exactly where he is at the top of every loop. Super yeah, precise. I'm was met him cool when was at, cool. I was with him when we were over in England, and uh, he's a very good pilot. Dude, that's some subtle yeah, stirring right there, dude. I tell you what. Devin, your privilege is showing. Privilege? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I met him once when I was over in England. Having a spot of tea, and he came by and showed me how to pay a loop. Yeah, bloody fucking wanker. All right, <laughs> listen. As the only Brit on this podcast, you can care about it. Not true. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> you're a scot though yeah it's different twice I, don't, I, don't, I got taught some great words well you keep those to yourself and let's hear what scott <laughs> did last week oh. yeah well i picked up on the no fly dick rob thanks for that so over in my world no fly is a thing and it's on the menu tonight no uh, fly. No fly. Right. so i took a no fly sorry um did you make not- some cars fly yeah dude Sick. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. This weekend I was doing car racing. They had a touring car race locally here. So I did that instead of flying. Weather was good. I should have flown, but whatever. I think John Titus invited me to go fly on Sunday too. And I'm pretty sure I still haven't responded to his message. So if you're uh, listening oh. to this, John, uh, I'm very sorry. I just got a little sidetracked. We're trying to clean the house for next weekend because we're gone. Um. Yeah. So what else did I do? I know I hate talking about car shit, but I built a mini Z racetrack in my garage. That's cool. That way That's I can zip around there. there. Yeah, my kid loves it. He's like chasing the car around, running around the track <laughs> and stuff. And 
He grabbed his like Hot Wheels car and he started driving the Hot Wheels car around the track. I'm like, he's having a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And Saturday, um, I got first place at my local club race. We were doing TC 21.5. That was good. Nice. Congrats, dude. Thanks. And then... Scott's uh, over here like, I, I think I want to try a different hobby. Now he's just blasting off first place everywhere, taking trophies from fools that <laughs> have been doing this for a while. It's only They're club races. At yeah. It's, yeah. There's some serious guys that go to the like national races and stuff, but I'm not there yet. I'm just going to hurt some feelings locally for a little while and then... <laughs> from there <laughs> <laughs> nice a, yeah make some little kids cry exactly. i see what's happening here you're trying to demoralize all the car guys so they give up that hobby and try something different and then we're going to get him in the helis i got oh. it aha uh-huh. don't spoil my tactics man that's the whole point oh. just <laughs> yeah, tell me we didn't record this yet. episode yeah you joke about it though there's a couple guys that are like starting to ask about helis and stuff because it just gets out there. I start talking about it. They ask about it. So I show them some videos and stuff and there's interest. And, you know, yeah. every week it kind of comes up and they're like, you know, can, can you bring one of those and, you know, fly it outside and we're going to try and scoop some people here. See what we can do. Have you uh, seen that classic Kyle Stacy video where he flies the 700 over the uh, outdoor RC racetrack? Yeah. That's where we got Brandon Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. That's Brandon fantastic. Cooper was there and we sucked him into it. <laughs> that could be you. Nice. A yep. convert. Yep. That's the goal. Uh, other than that, I uh, started picking up some business for uh, custom painted car bodies. That's cool. Hey, that that's is going to be cool. some yeah, extra hobby money and stuff on the side. That'll be fun. And that's it's awesome. fun to do too. It's like just, you know, easy time passing stuff and I enjoy it. And hey, you want to pay me for it? Cool. I'll take it. That's pretty much everything going on in my life. Right on. Did you touch one of your helis this week? Or glance at it longer than a couple of seconds? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, gave, I took all of my classic Raptors off my wall. And I gave them to a buddy mm. of mine down in South Carolina. He loves Raptors. Hey. And I was like, you know what? Thought I was going to get into these. I got hit hard by the nostalgia train last year. I just don't want to fly them because I'm going to crash one. I'm going to feel bad. So, Well, that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. So now I've got room to build more. So I've got my black nitro up ready to be built. <laughs> I've got my N7 and then my uh, Puma sitting there or whatever you call it. The the raw that has a Puma canopy. The Ruma. The Ruma. You need a raw canopy for that. <laughs> a raw canopy? A what? Yeah. It's a thing from last week. Never mind. <laughs> oh, I got to go listen to the show. I'll listen to it on the way to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah right. Anybody got anything else? All right. Rob, you gonna take us in? Hmm. Now we're <laughs> gonna hear some news from the from the news tellers and the stories of stuff that's going on. Uh, and then uh, you'll know more things. Uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Not every week can be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was great. Oh, I like last week's noodly leading. But, uh, <laughs> that one was this shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
but I hate when literally as soon as we press stop on the recording from one week, the like an, the announcement of a new helicopter comes out, and then we're the last ones to tell everybody about it. But uh, yeah, unless you've been under a rock, you've heard that the OMP hobby has uh, released a new heli. They've released the M4 helicopter. OMP's joining the very busy now 384 20 size electric helicopter. The OMP M4 is a 380 size. Unlike others in its class, it's a direct drive motor with a belted tail. It will come unassembled, unlike their M2 helicopter. And it's going to be available in either kit form, which includes the airframe, blades, and motor. That's going to come for $349. Or as a plug and play, that'll include airframe, motor, blades, servos, and ESC for $499. So, Right. A lot of people have rushed to compare these prices to the new Goose Guy RS4 and go, the Goose Guy is way more expensive. Here's the thing. The Goose Guy kit package includes all the servos, the motor, and a battery. So the kit includes the servos as well, whereas the M4 does not. And the Goose Guy RS4 uh, plug-and-play combo pack includes the FBL and the ESC as well. So when you want to compare the two helicopters, be sure and factor in the cost of an ESC, an FBL servos yeah. you know depending on which price you're looking at and apples to apples them so if you actually compare them you know with the batteries and everything else included the prices are very similar now that said the omp is certainly very competitively priced you know it's, it's clear to me that they've lost some market share to some of the new players in the micro heli market and they're definitely trying to get some of that back yeah so it's certainly priced very competitive competitively excuse me uh definitely worth considering if you're looking at a 380 um and actually, of note, uh, this particular OMP heli was designed by longtime OMP fanboy and I think team pilot uh, Jonas Wackerhauser, who's put out a lot of great videos about the OMP helis. Um, and from what I understand, Jonas actually had a hand in the design of the Rotortech Ultimate 385 millimeter blades, uh, and those are included with the OMP M4, which I'm sure he had a hand in. Just to um, be clear, he's actually done all of the Rotortech Ultimate blades. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yep, he is cool. the man. Oh, right on. Um, Jonas has some great low head speed flights that I really enjoy watching. Uh, they're definitely my jam. But uh, I actually picked up a side of us. Excuse me. I actually picked up. Good Lord, I can't speak. Incidentally, I ordered a set of those uh, Rotortech Ultimate 385s as well to try on my Goose Guy RS4 when I get that. So we're going to see how they compare to the Goose Guy stock blades. See if they live up to the hype. I uh, heard lots of good things about those blades. So I'm sure they'll be great on the OMP. But I do want to talk about one thing with the OMP. So when the OMP was released, in big letters on the side of the canopy, it said, quote, turn me on. <laughs> yeah. And I always thought that was weird. I'm like, this is one of those strange translation things where they think it's a good idea, but it's really not in some markets. Yeah. So I'm sad to say the turn me on is still written on the canopy, but now they've added the sky is calling on the nose of the canopy as well. So I don't really know why we need to know that the sky is calling and to turn me on, but that's written on the canopy of the M4. Uh, but it does come in four nice colors, nice and bright. I just wish they would stop uh, writing things on the side of it. <laughs> the heli is trying to talk to you, man. <laughs> Who's it calling? Is it calling the radio? Has it lost contact? Like, what's happening? It's like, uh, hey, buddy, turn me on. The sky is calling. I got to get up there. Uh, Pre-orders for the OMP M4 have started to appear on some sites, sort of. There's some sites in the UK that are kind of taking deposits on them. Um, but pre-orders will open up in a little while at your favorite retailers. Uh, no word on a ship date yet, um, but likely sometime in Q1 is about all we can say at this point. 
That's pretty cool, man. You know, I got to say, I kind of think it's uh, pretty neat. Um, when the 420, the, go uh, the Goblin 420 first came out, I think when we first started talking about that, we we're like, you know, it it'll be cool to see, you know, other manufacturers come up in this, in this class, you know, in this size or whatever. And now we've got three kind of headliners, right? That three main guys, so to speak. I don't know if there's any other 380s that are really popular yet out there, but uh, I like it. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I mean, I think the XL Power or the Protos Evolution 380 V2 uh, is a popular heli in the 380 size, but certainly there's four great choices in the 380 to 420 size right now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, new helicopters are good for the hobby, for sure. Uh, and actually, speaking of micro helicopters, uh, you may be familiar with the company Micro Heli. They often make upgrade parts and canopies and blades for small helicopters. Um, but they've actually caught on to the Goose Guy S2. So if you look at microheli.com at their website, you can see a variety of parts, um, multi-blade heads. I think there's a three-blade head, a four-blade head. Um, Microheli has their own blades for the Goose Guy S2. Uh, there's a couple of scale fuselages, or at least one right now, for the Goose Guy S2. Um, and some other upgrade parts you can find at microheli.com. Dude, that's rad. A little tiny scale fuselage on that thing would be tits. I know. I'm tempted, but I like the Goose Guy as just a beater to try stuff on them, you know, not worried about. Yeah. But the scale body, after flying that little tiny micro scale heli I've been flying around, is tempting. But no, not yet. So while we're comparing and kind of talking about the M4 and the Goose Guy RS4, uh, I've been watching some videos of uh, the folks that got early release kits of the RS4. And there are some cool features in the plug-and-play combo version of that. Uh, one of the features I caught in these videos is that the Goose Guy ESC actually bolts into the side frames as if it was a frame spacer. So instead of sitting on a carbon fiber tray with, you know, a Velcro strap or whatever, it actually just bolts straight through the side frames into the ESC, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Uh, and I do like the fact that ESC has panel mount connectors on both sides, one for the motor, one for the battery. Uh, so they're all pre-soldered and keyed, so you can only plug it in the right way. So you're going to plug your motor in the right way the first time which is awesome. Um, and all the leads are super short. You don't have a lot of extra uh, you know, battery lead weight kind of stuff hanging around. So that was slick, yeah. I thought. And uh, I got to see a video of one hovering for the first time, shot at pretty close, and it was really quiet. I was surprised. So I'm excited to get mine built, uh, see what it's like. But uh, if you're interested in seeing those videos, uh, I saw Sean Hall put one on the HeliDirect YouTube channel and Jeff West of uh, West Hobbies RC has one on his channel as well, where he's building the Goose Guy RS, uh, RS4 and doing a video of it. So check those out if you're interested in seeing more. Hey, Nick. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of this Goose Guy RS4. I haven't been on Facebook a lot recently. Um, is the ESC mounted in the typical place up front in the nose on that heli? It's actually at the bottom. So the battery slides over the top of the ESC. Like the battery tray is right over the ESC and the battery sits on top of the tray. Because um, after going through that ESC mount, or the ESC is the mount as the spacer, I'm wondering how well that handles up to being planted. I had that really same like a lateral thought. crash or something? Yeah. Um, it's definitely not like flush with the bottom yes. of the frames. So I feel like the frames should take the initial impact. So it's not at risk as taking like primary impact. Uh, but certainly, I don't know. I don't think anyone's crashed one yet, so we don't have much to say about how crashworthy it is. No, that's just the only thought, because, you know, of course, when you start thinking about it, you're like, wow, that's really cool, but at the same time, 
if you were to crash one really hard and end up taking out that ESC, that has to hurt. That can't be a cheap, a, a real cheap thing. To yeah, I don't think it's actually super expensive. I don't know if they have the spare parts pricing out yet. I don't. But I don't. I'm not sure. I, I don't I, know. It's a good question. A I don't know if it's any more at risk than an ESC that's up front on top versus up front on bottom. If anything, it's more protected because the side frames and the skids will hit well before it does. Yes, they eat but a lot know. of that. Yeah, yeah. Not just. I a think thought. if you hit, I think if you hit hard enough, where it, you would be damaging like frame sides and stuff up there, whether the ESC was strapped down or it's part of the frame, it would, probably would have got damaged anyway. That's my guess. Plus, there's a lot less mass in a 380, so I feel like the risk is small. But I don't know. Yeah, that's that is very true. A lot less mass. It's a unique design decision, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah, is I the other seen it like before. on the uh, like the S two? Is that how the ESC is, or is that mounted on a piece of a spacer? No, that's mounted. It's kind of an all in one ESC FBL sort of big box up front yeah. on top. Yeah, but it's not like integrated to the frame on that. Bird. No, it sits on top. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. But the canopy on the S two almost structural in a way, like it literally bolts into the side of the frame, the top half of it, so it almost has yeah. this cover that really absorbs most of a crash. Right, like a little bubble over the top, yep. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of a hardish plastic, so in the S2, I, th I think you'd be hard-pressed. You would really have to like plow that thing into concrete hard to hurt the ESC FBL in that thing. Yeah, because that's one unit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All I know is the RS4, when you look at it from the side without the canopy on, with all the electronics inside of it, it's a pretty neat shape. I like the shape of it, dude. And like where all the stuff is packed in. And it, it, I don't know. It's pretty thoughtful how everything is wired up in that. I, I dig it. Yeah. Oh, big news on the Goose Guy RS4 to double back. I almost forgot to mention this. I can confirm now that the Goose Guy app will tune the new FBL on the Goose Guy RS4. So for those of you who yeah. own an S2 and you've been enjoying, you know, wirelessly via Bluetooth, uh, tuning the flybarless unit, if you buy the combo unit and get the Goose Guy flybarless, you can use the app to uh, tune your flybarless, which is nice. Uh, so you can center your servos that way, uh, you know, all your initial basic setup, level your swash, etc. Uh, can all be done via that. Mm. And they, just like with the S2, include the Bluetooth adapter for the FBL with the kit. Doesn't seem too bad. No, I think it's great. I, you know, I'm curious to see more uh, kind of under the hood photos of the OMB M4 and see what unique features are there. You know, there's a feature list kind of in the ad, but I didn't see anything that really stood out as revolutionary. But, you know, I'm sure there's some cool stuff under the hood. Yeah, I want to I want to see it in person because, of course, having it in your hands is the real is the real deal. You can see yeah. everything you can actually see all all the, whatever their geometries what they did specifically pictures don't really do enough justice right yeah 100 percent. all right moving on to the v-bar evo just a quick update here uh according to peter russell and forgive my pronunciation there peter if i got that wrong uh peter i'm not sure what his actual job is but he's a Mikado insider he's been a vocal helper of uh v-control folks for a very long time um, but he was seen on Facebook saying that the V-Control Classic will be compatible with the new V-Bar Evo FBL. So if you currently have a Classic and you want to use the new Evo FBLs, uh, they will, in fact, work together. I mean, yes, there's no word nice. yet if down the road 
They might release a new feature or new software where eventually the classic can't keep up, but for now they'll all be compatible. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good news. Um, and kudos to them for doing that. You know, they're not forcing anybody to upgrade at this point, but if you do, you don't have to do it all at once and you can do the FBL first and then, you know, upgrade your transmitter down the road. All right, moving on to SAB. Uh, the SAB Goblin Canopies for the raw range of helicopters are now available individually in the orange and white colors, and they're available for pre-order for most, most uh, retailers. So it was that the orange creamsicle scheme that we've been calling it here, this sort of fluorescent orange and white schemes, were only available in kit form. You had to buy the whole kit. But uh, now they're finally released as spare parts. So I've got one on the way for my RAW 580, so I'm going to flip it to that color scheme. Looking forward to that. Um, those are available for pre-order. Like I said, they should ship in the very near future. I think uh, shipments are expected to be received at retailers pretty soon. So don't have an exact date, but it'll be soon. Nice. Definitely not a raw deal. Ooh. Oof. Uh. All right. Moving on to miniature aircraft. Not small ones, but the company. Uh, not micro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Miniature aircraft showed some uh, more 3D renders of the Interceptor. Yes. It's a 600 size gasser based around the OS 15HZ2 uh, gasoline powered engine. Uh, the photo showed a nice kind of lime green canopy with matching uh, lime green skids. Uh, rumor has it it's going to come in more than one color as well, similar to many other modern helicopters. Uh, no boom supports on this one in the renders. Uh, still waiting on final photos of what the real canopy will look like, but the renders certainly looked like uh, miniature aircraft have modernized their canopy design in terms of the graphics and stuff, so that was nice. Bit of a departure from their schemes of the past. And, uh, you know, I don't know much about gassers, but it certainly seems like the overall design of the helicopter has been modernized and uh, kind of up to snuff with what we expect of a helicopter these days. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of nice going on this topic because there's not a lot of helicopters that are designed specifically around that motor so it's good to see a little bit more of a, a how can i say it, budget friendly gasser that you can do yeah so that's very cool and what's like uh, what does that engine cost for those of us like me that are clueless uh i think the engine is is four hundred dollars 450 somewhere around that Okay. And and then a pipe is well, a typical pipe, hundred fifty, maybe two hundred bucks. So it's right around the price of of like an OS one hundred mm -hmm. um, uh, When versus when you look at like a lot of the gassers that I'm flying, like with the OBR three hundred and ten, which is much almost a completely different. It's actually is completely different. That's more of your seven eight hundred, you know, dollar range. It's a little bit more. So. And, uh, and it's for a 700 size helicopter. So this is definitely, you know, for people that are like, I don't want to go full blown 700. I want to stay smaller. So yeah. they're trying to hit that smaller range where you could still enjoy your gasser and get like, you know, 45 minute flight times and have yeah. a good time. How does it sound? Does it sound like a classic gasser? Is it sound a little bit more like a nitro? Is it quieter, louder than the bigger ones? Well, so. It's like, it sounds like a gasser. It's got that, that, how can I say it? That ting to it, you know, that gasser ring to it, I can really say. It yeah. kind of just sits there and it, it doesn't rumble like, 
you know, like a 21 30, or 30 cc gasser, you know, just sit there and rumble and shake a little bit. Um, but it, it's it's there. It's just smaller and more compact. Nice. Well, certainly, if you're looking for a 600 size gasser, definitely keep that one uh, in mind. Uh, no release date yet, but uh, clearly, as we see more renders and things, they're getting closer and closer. So stay tuned for that in the future. I don't know if anybody said or not, but also, if you really want to do a big block 90 conversion on a 600, that thing's a direct swap in. Exact. It's direct. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, SuperX connectors announced some new connectors this week, or really some new form factors of other connectors. So they're showing both a right angle connector, and this is where the wire comes out 90 degrees from the direction of the connectors, uh, which can be handy in some tight spaces. Um, they have also released a panel mount connector, which are obviously very handy for charge cases. So if you're running the D6S6 connectors from SuperX, uh, you can now get these panel mounts. You can, you know, flush mount into your charge case and then plug the connectors into there. Or if you wanted to make charge leads that just kind of roll off the edge of the case, you could put the 90 degree connectors on and then have some charge lead extensions. You know, there's all kinds of applications if you're mounting um, flush mount connectors inside a giant airplane or, you know, other similar purposes. But uh, definitely give those a look if you run those connectors and uh, have your own charge case and uh, consider modifying that's kind of cool the little 90 degree there when i first saw that because i saw the post on facebook and there was like a little clip where they were showing them plugging them in in different scenarios i had this weird brainstorm like i bet a guy could make like a connector in the back of their battery tray in their heli where you just click and click it in like isn't the fort the 420 has some sort of a you can an option for that for the battery where you just click yeah, it the in 420 the xl power spectre v2s have that option as well yeah, so with this here, you could just make your own DIY and a little 90 there. That's kind of neat. It is pretty slick. I will say the Spectre V2 battery tray, there's a guy in my field who does that. Actually, our guest last week, Brian, does that. And it's pretty cool to watch him not take the canopy off and just jam the tray in the back and go click and boot right click. up. And it just boots up. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Moving on to our last piece of news. Uh, the Align TB70 is now available for pre-order in all of its three configurations from your favorite Align dealer. So still no word on a ship date, but presumably within about a month from now is a rough guess. Um, certainly will be impacted by the Chinese New Year, but should be very soon. So while I'm talking about this, earlier in this episode, we talked about the goofy phrases OMP writes on their canopy. And in, I think it was last week, so the week before this episode, we were talking about SAB's marketing department's uh, uh, descriptions, making fun of them a little bit. Well, this week it's a line's turn. So... <laughs> They've released some marketing flyers and it goes beyond bad translation to just a whole new level. So in tribute to Align, and again, we make fun of all brands around here, you know, OMP took it earlier today, SAB took it a couple weeks ago, today it's Align's turn. So I now present a new segment. This is RCHN salutes the marketing department. Now the following <laughs> are all direct quotes from the marketing materials of the TB7. All right, here we go. All right, lay it on me. <laughs> All right. So when discussing the canopy and the frames, they say that, quote, the lightweight structure removes unnecessary sharp corners and creates smooth lines with zero wind resistance. Quote, wow, zero. So apparently a line has figured out how to defy the laws of physics because there is zero 
Wind resistance. <laughs> it just slices right through all the atoms and molecules. <laughs> with an asterisk when you fly without this canopy. <laughs> uh, I know. That sucks because there won't be any blade farts then. It'll just be like... Well, yeah, except you'll get like 95 minute flights because with no uh, wind yeah. resistance, surely your battery go. lasts longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. It gets better though. Hang in there. All right. So they go on to say the quote, what would seem to be insignificant ingenuity creates a feeling of locked in control beyond imagination. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know what to say to that. Well, then I'm sure your designers love that you call their ingenuity insignificant. Insignificant, right? Like it's just sneaking up behind you like, I'm just a little insignificant ingenuity. Just, Bam! I, I just, just don't understand. Like, seriously, what would seem to be insignificant ingenuity? Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> that translates in, in good old American speak as shitty design. Oh, God. All right. There's more, though. There's at okay. least a couple more. So when discussing the Hobbywing ESC that's included in the combo and how pilots can adjust the head speed to their needs, they say, quote, this allows graceful flight like a stroll in the garden with an explosion of head speed at any time. And man, <laughs> I hate when I explode without warning. And so does my wife. <laughs> like taking a stroll through the garden. Oh God. I don't understand how that makes you buy a helicopter. All right, I got one more. So lastly, when discussing the canopy, the TB-70, they go on to say, quote, the streamlined and neat curves of the case are not only dazzling, but also enhance the overall shape of the love machine. <laughs> no. You're kidding. They shit you not, really? I'm going to post this on the RCHN Facebook page. They literally say that it enhances the overall shape of the love machine. Yeah. Wow, that's a first. Best translation ever. Dude, I got to buy this helicopter just so that I can have a copy of that box. <laughs> what do you find? The love machine. Oh, yeah. I was in tears reading this because I caught one and then I couldn't stop reading them. And I just, it was just beautiful. Maybe their marketing is relying on the fact that about half the people are never going to read this. Dude, yeah. no, maybe the marketing is actually genius because there's hundreds of people running around like we are right now. Like, you wouldn't believe what they wrote on this box, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true, too. That's if they read it. Oh, no, right? it's not the kit box. It was like a six page marketing flyer kind of thing that was out. Oh, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> I have the screenshots, so I will post some of them. Um, all right. I don't want to completely just bust a line's chops. So I did look through these and try and find some kind of interesting features. Um, they do have kind of an innovative way to adjust tail belt tension. Um, you know, with the boom, there's two bolts that are easily accessible at any time. Uh, and so with the SAB booms, and no, I'm not saying they copied this, I'm just using this as an example, calm down. So with the SAB booms on the raw, there's this clamp you temporarily install, and then you tighten this screw that increases the belt tension, pushes the boom away from the frame, the mainframe. And uh, then you tighten the boom clamps and then you take this temporary thing away. But it looks like the way the TB70 is, is there's kind of a molded, I'm guessing, plastic thing on the boom. And there's this metal plate with a couple of bolts that'll push that back. And those stay permanently attached to the helicopter. So just kind of a, a neat way to tension the belt. You know, I applaud anybody that lets you uh, set your tail belt tension without having to, like, hold the skids in your feet and pull on the boom. And, you yeah, know, and like, violate the helicopter. Turn yourself into some sort of yoga pose. But, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> so there you go. That's one nice thing about a line. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the whole time you were describing that, in the back of my head, I just kept saying, on the love machine. <laughs> on the love machine. <laughs> so if you want to tug thinking, on your love machine without using your feet and your hands, you can use these two bolts. I just keep thinking, love shack. Oh, and that is it for the news. News. You want my love machine? This wild. Oh, this is great. Oh, that was, that's something new for sure. I've never seen that in the marketing scheme. So remember when a lion came out with a lion pants, the denim jeans? Oh, my dad had a pair actually. What? Yeah. No. And I I pray. Please make a pair of jeans that say "Love Machine." Hell oh, yeah, dude! <laughs> right across the ass. Yeah, they, they make a- shiny sweatpants. That's that's yeah. machine. We, we could give them to Dan for Christmas next year. Oh yeah, buddy! I would so buy those for Dan. Yeah, no, Nick. Uh, this has to be ten years ago. The line, as Scott was saying, with the denim jeans, it was written across the ass. It was freaking <laughs> great. No, yes, yeah. yeah. Dude, need we need some RCHN ass pants. Was this like something like people would wear to Fun Flies? You would win them at Fun Flies because they would donate them as raffles. <laughs> I love it. That's, That's amazing. So wild. Hey Don't man, all I know is before I die, I have to own at least one aligned vacuum cleaner um, just to say I have one. Yeah. I think it's wild that they make vacuum cleaners and helicopters. Such a yeah, that's broad, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's such a weird combination of things. I know some of these companies, like you look at Yamaha, the diversity of the stuff they make is insane. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine like, you know, I'm I'm in a store and I'm here to buy a piano. um, But, you know, I don't want to spend too much money because I also want to buy a motorcycle. Yamaha says, listen, you won't believe this. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll throw in a generator. Well, that's that's actually really funny because Align, besides vacuum and helicopter, also does power feed for uh, milling machines, manual milling machines. No way. Wild. Yeah. They also, believe it or not, make very high-end mixing consoles for the audio industry. It's on most of the shows I do are Yamaha digital consoles. Yep. It's insane that they're everywhere. It's kind of weird. It's like, oh, cool, helicopters. Oh, wait, vacuum cleaners. Oh, wait, power feeds for milling. What? You like you could walk into a store and need three things and find three things from the same company that have nothing to do with each other. Let's move it into this week's topic. Uh, for that, I'm going to hand it over to Scott. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's in your tool bag or toolbox or tool case Zach. or whatever you bring to the field. Nick puts I'm it in talk a sack. little bit less about. All right, get all the sack jokes out right now. Go ahead. Oh, Balls. Balls. Sack. Balls. Satchel. Satchel. This episode is brought to you by Dan Gleesack. <laughs> 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 all right, we're good. Yeah. All right. All right. So this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk a little bit the tools you bring to the field, uh, whether you're going to a fun fly or just out for a regular flying session. What do you bring with you? What do you find handy to have with you? And uh, for that, I'm going to hand it over to Scott and hear a little bit more. Yeah. So we're going to do this just by going through, I guess, each person's kit. Uh, We'll explain what we got and why we bring it. Just a little short snippet of, you know, this is why I have it. For instance, toothbrush. I'll explain exactly why I have one. (laughs) I always get comments about that. People are like, why the hell you got a toothbrush? Anyway, the biggest thing I do is I keep everything 
in bags. And it sounds stupid, but I have three bags that I grab every time I go fly. And the only thing in there is the stuff I fly with. And the reason for that is when it's all zipped up and it's all stacked up in the corner, I know if I'm going to fly, the bags go in the car and a heli goes in the car. I got everything I need and I don't have to worry about it. And there's enough shit in there that I could build a kit if I needed to and make it work. So um, I know whatever I run into, like I'm okay. And it makes it so much less stressful. But uh, yeah, we'll start with my radio bag. Uh, Obviously, I got a transmitter in there. Important. Um, I have an RC logger pitch gauge. I am so pissed that they went out of business. But, you know, anytime you see one for sale, snatch it up because they're good stuff. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Because somebody put one for sale. I have one RC logger and I love it. And Mm -hmm. I'm upset they went out of business too. But someone put one up for sale this week and I lost it to a guy that already had two and bought it as his third. <laughs> yeah. Was it, is it like, Mr. That's Mata how much Dios. people love these things. Yeah. Anyway, I did sorry, the same ahead. thing. And I was like, dude, I'll, if the deal falls through, like I'm down, I'll pay you twice what you're asking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he didn't want to sell it to me. So that's fine. And these things are turning into NFTs and shit. The price is going like 10 X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big time. Uh, hopefully someone else realizes this and makes another one. <clears throat> Augie. Um, I was just going to say that, although Augie <laughs> released his little 3D printed thing to hold your phone and use the app, yeah. but I'd love to see a new one released. Seriously. The biggest thing I have is I don't like using my phone. My phone's too big. I have one of those iPhone XS Mac school buses. So anytime the pitch snaps back and forth, the thing like flicks the alley around, it starts dancing. It's like a chicken dance just when you change a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So phones are too big now for that, I think, unfortunately, but. Anyway, I agree. yeah. Next thing I got is the Hobbywing ESC programmer. Don't really have to explain that. How you make changes to your Hobbywing. Um, I have an old high tech battery checker for backup. So most Hobbywing stuff has telemetry. You plug in a battery with V bar, it tells you if the battery's dead. But let's say that you completely blow your helicopter into the ground. I have a high tech battery checker just so I can check lipo voltage and see how we're doing. Uh, torque servo program box because I run torque servos and it's nice to have that box there if you want to recenter a servo or something or I don't know tinker around change pulse width for no reason who knows um, so that's everything in my radio bag um, my battery bag that has a little bit more stuff my tool sleeve that I have it's like a protect sleeve goes into my battery bag but I list them separate here but um, obviously in there, I've got my stick packs. I usually carry four lipos with me to the field. Um, three is a good number when you're just trying to like fly back to back, keep two in the charger while one's in the heli. When you have four, uh, it's a little easier just to have an extra one as backup, but sometimes I end up having to discharge one at the end of the day with four, but nice to have options if you destroy one or something. I've got a power cord three to one adapter or a one to three adapter. So if I'm running off the generator for some reason and someone shows up and doesn't have power and they need to piggyback, I can throw this adapter on and give them two more ports to use. Uh, Cause that usually happens at events every now and then. Um, I do carry spare parts. I have a small clear plastic box in the bottom of my bag with all sorts of nuts, bolts, uh, pitch links, all sorts of little things that'll fit inside of it that are the typical stuff you break. You know, you clip a blade in the ground, you pop a link, and you break the end of it. Uh, pitch links, um, pitch arms, all that stuff's in there. Um, I carry a cool little product called Deoxit bottle. I got that from John Hamill. 
Um, mm. It's supposed to be like a electrical connector, a deoxidizing solution, and also a lubricant, which helps it slide on and off. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it works with amazing. Zero wind resistance. Yeah, I had issues with the RC Pro Plus connectors. After a while, they'd get super tight and I'd start hurting my fingers on the D6s. And once I started using this deoxid, they just slip right on and off, no problem. And you get that nice click um, that you get with those connectors. When you, you put it together, it goes like, ding, and you really know that it's, that it's seated. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Highly recommend it. It is expensive. It comes in a small nail polish bottle, but you barely use any of it. Works awesome. Uh, I do carry Loctite, blue Loctite, just in case something comes out. I want to Loctite it and put it back in. Super glue, just for any reason, tail control rod comes apart or I got to make a new tail control rod. Easy to keep in the bag. I have some three-in-one oil in there just for kind of spot lubing if I get some weird squeaks or something in a bearing or the tail output shaft. And then a radio charger, just in case. And then when I pull out my tool sleeve, this is where the meat and potatoes is. Um, <clears throat> I got a full set of hex drivers, uh, Scorpion drivers, and then I've got duplicates in MIP. And the theory behind that is I use the Scorpion ones every time I work on stuff. If I have a bolt that's maybe slightly rounded out, or if it rounds out, it would be a really, really, really bad day. Then I use the MP MIP drivers. That's the only thing they get used for. So they're always super sharp and clean. And I know that if I push it in the engagement and give it a twist, it's going to break the, the bolt loose and not, not strip out. Um, I got some small needle nose pliers, small enough that I can get inside of uh, servo plugs and stuff. Or if I got to get like a small pin, it, I can get down inside things. Uh, box cutter, just got to cut zip ties, got to cut things, open boxes, whatever. I've always had a use for box cutters at a field. Uh, wire cutters or, or angle cuts. Uh, I got a set of those just for, again, zip ties, wires, packages, whatever. Got a nitro T wrench for when I'm feeling froggy and bring a nitro to the field. Uh, sometimes I get lucky and it fits other things, so it's nice to have. I have Augie's pitch link holder. So Augie makes this little carbon tool that holds your yes. pitch links, which is pretty cool because I always hate when you're turning a turnbuckle and you pop the turnbuckle, the, uh, what do you call it? You pop the ball link off the ball when you're trying to turn the turnbuckle. So Augie's little tool yeah. is adjustable and it slides over the pitch links and then you could turn the turnbuckle and it holds the two links stationary so they don't pop off. Awesome tool. Love that thing. I love that thing. I swear yeah. by it. Yep. Uh, I have a Bic lighter. I get a lot of questions about why, <laughs> why I'm always buying Bic lighters and I don't smoke. Uh, I use them for any kind of reason. I need like shrink wrap or something or if I've got to take the end off of a tail control rod and get rid of some super glue, CA tends to come off with the lighter. It's just a nice tool to have. If you need heat, it's there. Uh, SAB ball link wrench, that little plastic tool that you get with the old goblins, the ones with the nylon bolts. I have one of those in there just for turning, turning ball links on without hurting your fingers. Always thought they were pretty cool. Next one's a toothbrush. Everyone's like, why the hell do you have a toothbrush in your pack? Yeah, why do you got a <laughs> toothbrush in there? I, I have a good guess. Is it because you sleep in your car at Fun Flies? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like it for cleaning off gears, uh, getting grit and stuff out of things. Um, it does a really good job at cleaning the skids. If you run white skids, you put some like 
simple green or something or any kind of cleaning solution, grease lightning on the skids and you brush it with a toothbrush, it works wonders. Um, I just don't have patience for stuff that's stuck inside hard to reach places like fins of servos, heads of nitro engines and stuff. It's just, it makes quick work of it. So I keep it in there at all times just to have one. And make swift work like grass clippings and shit from after you exactly. land. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the nasty stuff you can't get to. Uh, balling pliers. Obviously, you know why you need those. Awesome to have. And I have a Bobby Watts grippy wrench, the spindle shaft wrench. And I only carry the one for a 700 size because I only really fly 700s. But when you're trying to get both bolts at that spindle, awesome tool. Can't knock it. Yep. Uh, got a Sharpie in case I feel like vandalizing a bathroom. Or <laughs> writing down something important. Uh, SAB transplate wrenches. So ever since any SAB, I think, they always use a separate plate for the motor. And then they use these two nylock nuts with washers up top. So I just carry a box wrench that fits over those. That way I can tighten them or loosen them easily without trying to jam things in there that don't quite fit. That's and then, it, yeah, <laughs> comes in handy a lot. And then I have an adjustable wrench as well. Um, that I use for like the tail fin on the Kraken or for some reason if someone needs help with a 600 and it has a different size nut or something I'll use it for that for emergencies and I used to carry matching Allen keys for either side of the uh, spindle bolt um, I no longer keep them in my tool sleeve I just put two sets of Allen keys in my battery bag I forgot to list that above but they're in there in case I need to swap a spindle and then I have a small section here for optional stuff. Uh, most of the fields I fly at has power, so I can just plug my, my charger into, you know, 110 and go. But if for some reason I'm going to a field that doesn't have power, then I grab a second thing that has my generator. Um, and it's got a power cord in it. And if I'm going somewhere where I maybe expect to crash, I'll grab my blade bag and I have a, a bag of, spare parts for 700 SAB stuff. So it's got a couple booms, a couple side frames, some skids, you know, the bigger, bigger stuff that you might need if you plow it in. Um, but that's it. Like I try and keep everything compartmentalized. I have separate tools. I know that we chatted a little bit that I won't shut up about cars, but I have a separate tool box for cars, separate wrenches, separate everything. Like I am not a believer in using the same tools for different things and losing them, misplacing them. Everything has a place. I know where it all is, and it always goes with me. So, oh, You're talking my love language there. Oh, it's so nice. Just that <laughs> peace of mind that I'm about to drive eight hours to an event. I don't want to ever question, did I forget that? Do I have this? No. It's those four bags, that generator, and whatever helicopters I want to fly. Put it in the car. I don't even have to second guess everything's in there. Even my wife knows not to touch that. One time <laughs> she went in there like, it's like, I needed a screwdriver. I'm like, Mm-mm, not from there. Those don't exist. I bought her her own tools, put them in the drawer. <laughs> she promptly lost those, but she knows not to go inside my shit. Yeah. She's like, no, <laughs> but it's, it's just right there. You're like, no, man, those don't yeah. exist. I, I didn't get it at first. I'm exist. like, no, it's peace of mind. It's, it's keeping me yeah. sane when I need to go somewhere. Like, you can't touch this shit. She gets it now, but she did not then. <laughs> uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Dude, you I are think you stole as hell. a lot of our thunder, man, because I think you have everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, everyone has their own reasons. So let, let's see your reasons for what you bring. Yeah. So, you know, like you, I use uh, MIP drivers. Um, I have two sets. 
in my tool bag of the common sizes. So for feathering shafts and whatnot, I can break those. Uh, so I only carry those up to like three millimeter. And then I have some, you know, standard L-shaped uh, Allen keys for four and five millimeter because they don't take up a lot of space in the bag. And usually on a 700, I'm not breaking the spindle apart. If, I, if it's that bad, I'm probably taking it home. Um, so I just keep those. I do have some nut drivers as well. So like five and a half, seven millimeter, I think are the only two sizes I carry uh, are just handy. Uh, I do like to have a small pair of scissors. I like the canopy scissors, those little Lexan canopy scissors, because they're not very big, so they don't take up a lot of space in your tool bag. Uh, oh, I should back up. So I like Scott, mainly because I saw Scott's and was like, that's awesome. I also use the Protec tool bag. So nice zippered bag that unfolds and holds uh, a fair amount of tools, actually. And then if you've watched any of my videos, you know one of my favorite tools is called an awl, A-W-L. And it's essentially a sharp metal pokey stick on a wooden handle. And it's crazy handy for lining up like blades and blade washers and sliding those into a blade grip. Or better yet, you've slid it into the blade grip and you're trying to you know, make the hole so th such that the bolt can go all the way through. So you drive the awl through there and kind of spin it around a little um, it's really good, good for applying Loctite in a very precise way. You just dip the tip of this all into a little droplet of it, and then you can get it just in the threads of the receiving end of something, or you know, dig something out of a helicopter that's gotten stuck in there. I don't know. I yeah. find new uses for that thing all the time. It's one of my favorite tools. You can pick them up for like two dollars on Amazon. They're awesome. Just um, say useful in all places. Oh yeah. Oh. 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 You could even make your ice cubes smaller with that thing. <laughs> uh, I'll go kind of quick through the stuff that Scott's already doubled on. So I have uh, balling pliers. I've got uh, needle nose pliers, you know, screwdrivers, uh, flathead Phillips. I do carry some precision screwdrivers or, you know, the really teeny tiny screwdrivers. Since I fly some micro helis, I have a little tiny micro Phillips and flathead. Uh, I have two different sizes of uh, the Align feathering shaft wrenches, which are similar to the Grippy, or a copy of the Grippy, or a stolen copy of the Grippy, a clone, you might say. Um, <laughs> I carry Loctite in green, red, and blue, little tiny tubes. Uh, side cutters. Um, if you fly XL Power, or you know Logo 480s, or some other helicopters, you might carry split ring pliers, um, which you need to pull the main gear off the helicopter. Uh, I do have a tiny, like, six-inch adjustable C-wrench, which I use for adjusting uh, blade grips, you know, turnbuckles, or random other, you know, nuts or whatnot. Like uh, Scott said, I do love Augie's uh, ball link holder uh, adjuster. Although I do find, and Scott, while we're talking about this, I always find that, like, I adjust to zero degrees or whatever, you know, I'm setting, and then I take it out, and then sometimes it'll settle and move, you know, 0 0.02 degrees or something and then I you know put it back on and check it take it out but it does get you most of the way there without knocking the pitch link off which is awesome uh, I do have a battery checker servo tester kind of combo unit you know it'll read the voltage of your battery it will let you power up a servo center a servo that kind of thing um, those are handy pitch gauge uh, tri-flow um, lubricant uh, here's a great one, Scott, that I know you've got at your house is baby wipes. Um, I like oh, to try and keep those so in the many. car either for just cleaning your hands. If you're digging into something greasy, they work great for getting like dead bugs or grass off your blades. 
So if my blades are particularly nasty, I'll just wipe the blades down with a baby wipe. Um, that works real well. Um, and then, yeah, just like you, Scott, if I'm going to a fun fly, I'll bring uh, a blade bag. And similar to you, actually, I keep my tool bag inside my battery bag. And then some of the tools I just talked about are actually in the battery bag. So my voltage checker um, in the wintertime, I keep a pair of, uh, you can get these on Amazon. Um, they're USB hand warmers. So you charge them and then you can run these things for like six, eight hours at a time. You just keep them in the pockets of your jacket and just wrap your hands around them. They stay super warm. It's kind of like two hot rocks in your pockets. Nice. And, That's uh, convenient, man. Those are great in the winter if you're just trying to keep your hands warm between flights um, and stay loose. Um, and I do use a charge case. So while we're talking about tools, there's just kind of some non-charge things, sort of, that I keep in my charge case. Uh, I like to keep a Bluetooth speaker, just a small one, if I'm listening to podcasts or music or whatever at the field, if I'm by myself. Um, I keep charge cords for any phone or camera or device I might bring to the field. I keep charge cords for all my transmitters adapted to USB uh, or to 12 volts. I have a 12-volt port on my uh, charge case for the V-Control. So I make sure I have all the adapters for that as well. And uh, that's about it for tools of the field. I try not to wrench too heavily at the field. My attitude is if it's a bad crash, I'm better off fixing it at home because I'm more patient there and I'm more careful. And at the field, I'm in a rush and I lose things and I get mad. Yeah. yeah. Personality-wise, I'm better to put it away and play or with drop it, it in the dirt and you got to clean it off later. <laughs> Throw it across the field. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Dude, That's I tell you a, what, man, you guys are prepared as hell, <laughs> both of you two. It's pretty cool, man. I don't know. Like for me, I, I, I guess my format's a little bit different than uh, uh, Scott, you and Nick. Uh, like for me, I, I kind of just go in a rogue fly, right? So I'll basically go like uh, a, a few blocks to maybe a mile away. And fly just a few packs, you know, maybe a half hour worth of time and then come home, right? So if I'm doing that kind of thing, and I know I'm just going to be out just to fly a few, I'll just, you know, do all that pre-flight shit that I would have to do on my bench and then bring whatever packs I intend to fly. <laughs> this sounds kind of silly. It's kind of superstitious. But it seems like I've kind of settled into this scenario where I'll charge, like... For instance, for the Goblin, I charged four of them, but I only flew three of them. And then I flew my two for my T-Rex 500 the other day, but I always just leave the one extra. But still, when I go and I do the Rogue Fly, I'm just bringing my transmitter in my transmitter case, right? Uh, whatever helis I'm going to fly, and then whatever batteries I'm going to fly um, on those helis. Um, I'll bring a, maybe a couple of wrenches or something in case, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, like I had a scenario where I didn't have the Goblin, I didn't have the tail, uh, the tail box tightened down onto the shaft as t or onto the boom as tight as I needed to. So it started to work itself loose. And, uh, so to have the wrench at the field was nice because I could tense it back up and keep flying, you know. But I, I'm kind of like you were saying, Nick, if I crash, I'm better off just bringing it home, especially in a kind of a rogue fly situation because I'm just, it's me and my vehicle, right? So it's not like I can lay it all out and uh, really wrench on stuff. But, um, you know, if I decide to go out and spend like a whole day or something like that, you know, bring a table with me and that kind of thing, um, then I'll also bring my charger with me and maybe a few more batteries or something like that. And I just on my workbench here, I keep this little Tupperware bin. That's usually where my tools end up rather than do the Dan arm swipe 
they just I just kind of toss them over into that bin when I'm done using them. And so if I'm going to go do like a whole day stash, I'll bring that that bin. It's got all the all your standard tools you would be using to build or repair. You know, most of the stuff you guys talked about. You know, already. But um, but other than that, I just kind of try to keep it simple, I guess. Um, so I don't have to. I don't know. I don't have to like have a whole bunch of extra stuff stored up or anything like that. At some point I might end up with a, a bigger inventory of things, you know, this, this year is for me is going to be, uh, you know, fun fly year. I'm going to try to go to as many fun flies as I, I can practically. Right. Um, so I'll probably end up developing something similar to y'all's two lists, but you know, right now it's just, uh, I'm the rogue flyer. So there's, I don't bring much of shit with me. <laughs> well, that's fine. Like to each their own in that. Yeah, right. The, the one nice thing about your tool bag is if you have the itch to buy something heli related, like buying one hand tool is really inexpensive. <laughs> yeah. Like a good way to like scratch that itch and just pick up a nice cheap pair of side cutters or whatever. Yeah, you have one or two things here and there. Yeah. What about you, Devin? What do you take to the field? Ooh. Other than that hair. That hair? What hair? Well, you know, you didn't hear last week's episode. We started a no. GoFundMe for a haircut. I don't have no. I I shave that. All right. Thank you, Scott. Um, Itchy, itchy. Don't do that. No, it's not itchy after you get used to it. Come on, try it. Grow up. Grow up hair. Moving on. Moving on. Um, So (laughs) I kind of do stuff a little differently. Like, more like Rob. I bring a set of scorpion tools, which is basically everything you need. I, I have the set with the hex drivers. Phillips head, flathead, uh, rounded um, ball ends, and straight ends uh, drivers. So that's it. That's all I bring. That's my drivers. Uh, I bring the links, uh, ball link pliers. I bring a set of needle nose. Uh, and I always carry inside the case that comes with the Scorpion tools, the turnbuckle adjuster for whatever hell you're flying. A uh, green, red, and blue Loctite, of, although usually all I ever use is red. A uh, pair of dykes, very important. I tried so hard not to say that. Yeah. They're very important. Scott, we're very <laughs> mature. None of us giggle. <laughs> you have no idea how frustrating it is. Even on my day job, I'm like, I can't say dyke, I can't say dyke, I can't say dyke. It's so annoying. <laughs> All right, sorry. That's sorry. That's where you dikes. All right, so a pair of dikes. Dikes. Do you feel you feel better? You got that out? Okay. No, they're just yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel better. Yeah. Thank you. What uh, is a dike? I don't know. Like side cutters, wire cutters. Okay, side cutter, wire cutters. Generally yeah. bigger, beefier side cutters. I like yeah. that name better than side cutter. Well, because it's I th- isn't that the brand name dikes? That's actually a a brand name. Yeah, I it must be. I don't know. I but think that's that might be where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but that's what I refer to them as. But they're just smaller versions of, of of them for cutting like the zip ties and anything like that. I always which bring, are the way to go. Don't be yes. cutting zip ties with scissors and cutting your finger every time you touch the heli. Yeah, exactly. Or knives. Don't do that. That you'll cut your finger open doing that. Yeah. Just use your teeth. Rob, send me a video of you doing that, please. Like I'm making out with my fuselage. Ooh, okay. ooh, I finally got it. Yeah, look at that. It's between my teeth. My love machine. Your love machine. Um, I always bring 
and this is one thing that I I haven't really heard. Uh, Goop, it's called. Um, and it's it's kind of like a a silicone in a way where it dries it where it dries, but it's still soft and malleable. And yeah. I put that on all of my leads for my Neo. So just in case, like I'm doing a new build and I forget to after testing it, I'll do that. I don't use a pitch gauge, so I don't bring pitch gauges. Um, what else? I got to think. That's pretty close. Oh, and the Lynx uh, one-way spindle. The grabby deal. Yep. So I, yep. Can, so I can loosen, instead of only being able to loosen one side, loosen both sides. Um, but that's pretty much it for me. And it, if I'm going to an event, it's kind of different. I have tool cases. This is just in a separate box that I throw in when I go flying every day. That's what I bring. But when I go to an event, I have two of the uh, like Home Depot brand tool cases that just get thrown in. And they have everything when it comes to uh, servo testers, anything like that. That's what that got. I don't really bring that to the field. The only other thing I do bring to the field is the KST servo box for adjusting the newer style servos and setting the pulse width, endpoints, anything along that nature. And but for events, I have the two big crates that has everything in it. They just get thrown on the floor of wherever they're going. Hmm. Uh, generator, of course. Uh, my radio, because not really important, but could use it. Uh, ba- I keep batteries and everything separate when I when I pack for events and go flying. I have batteries in one case by themselves because I pack them differently. I always put whenever I travel anywhere, I always put the batteries in the car with me. Um, they're always sitting in the back seat behind me in case there's something weird that happens and they just yeah you gotta you gotta jettison them out of the car <laughs> yeah I, I throw yeah. them out the window. Yeah, so they're always in the car with me in the cab. Um, but that's my basic, real, nothing too fancy, no really long lists of everything. So, so what about like specific brands? Like I know Scott mentioned MIP drivers. I use those as well. Um, Scorpion. We talked about the yep. Scorpion driver set, which is awesome. There's like a 20-piece set they make that has most everything you need. Yeah, um, that's a great place to start a, if you just want to grab it. I think they even but, make uh, tap and die you can get as well. They do, yeah. So, um, which a tap and die set for your workshop, which is a whole other set of tools, is yeah. really handy to have as well. Yeah, because we got that um, whole set where we got the big set of drivers and the tap and die set. We leave we if it's a real big event, like we're going for like a week, a week and a half, we'll bring them just in case because mm-hmm. they're useful for other things when you're traveling besides the heli side so but whenever you're going to a close event that's at like six hours away is what i consider pretty close um you don't need that yeah but um it's all yeah talking about brands i really love my links falling players i they're great i love the shiznit um they're just solid they work awesome any other brands folks should look at for what anything any um, favorite brand of tool? When I got I one, use, I tend to use TriFlow for grease or <laughs> Bodo Lube for for doing your thrust bearings or anything like that. I use Bodo Lube. 
lube thrust. <laughs> Me personally, I prefer Huggies baby wipes. They're they're very nice in the hands. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I actually forgot to mention I bring a charger with me too, and I have a dedicated charger bag. Uh, I run an ISDT X16, and I swear by that thing. I love it. It does everything I need. Runs cool. Perfect. I bring a charger that charges my batteries. Uh, I think they're they're the smaller. Are they the T6s or something along those lines? I don't remember. But I got four of them in my charging case. That's what I charge with. I love my charge case. I have four 500-watt chargers um, and a giant lid full of zippered pockets that hold all the charge leads I don't ever need. Yeah, we have. Um, we did strapping in the top of the case that holds all of our leaves, uh, leads, So and including a compartment in the middle as well. So that's great. Uh, being able to store your charging leads in your charger is really nice because that is usually what you forget if they're separate let's be honest a bag of charging leads sitting on your desk somewhere that you always go never forget that you always forget it yeah and that would suck because yeah. you're like fully equipped with everything except you're dead in the water without the leads exactly i mean if you're at a fun fly you can borrow them from somebody you know what i'm saying but yeah right, yeah you know what i've forgotten twice that i now keep like with the spare tire in my car it's like under the you know back uh patch you know the IEC adapter that some charge cases use? You know, it's the Edison plug on one end to plug into your generator, and the other one, it's that little three-pin socket you plug into the charge case? Yeah. Yeah. Because I use my charge case at home, sometimes I'll unplug that and forget to put it in the charge case. So I keep two in my car, because I've taken one out and forgotten about it and left it, you know. Anyway, I forget that all the time. Yeah, that you forget stuff all the time. You know, so you that power, even, you're dead in the water. No matter how much you prepare and like you get these bags going and everything, there's always like one thing where you're like, oh, that would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, at least that's good for me. That's the thing. Your, your toolkit evolves. You learn what you wish you had and then you yeah. add it. Exactly. And then you it's realize you're hard. carrying way too much crap and then you scale it back. It's easier when you fly all the same airframe too. It's yeah, right. So we don't have to have yeah. such a big wide mix of stuff. Yeah. 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 That's very true, actually. Well, right on. I'm sure we'll do a version of this for your workbench, which is definitely very different than what you use at the field. <laughs> actually, my work, <laughs> my tools for my workbench, I grow, go over, grab the box that I use for when I travel locally, put it on the workbench. There you go. That's what I use. Same. That's where my tools go. I go to my heli kit, open up my tools, and that's my workbench. After I do the one arm clear off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I use a lot more tools on the workbench than I do at the field. Why? Yeah, but you're like a heli surgeon over there. Well, tools like tools, you know? Wow, that's fucked up. That's really mean, Devin. Hmm. It's all good. I really <laughs> deserved it for last week, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's okay. All right, unless anyone has anything else to add to this week for uh, Field Tools? Mm, don't think so. I'm trying. All right, well, then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all the emails and messages. Thanks for the great feedback about uh, last week's episode. I heard some good stuff from Brian Birdsong. He's had a, a, a decent amount of folks reach out to him about F3C, which he's been uh, 
excited to receive. And uh, he's certainly steering some folks in the right direction already. So feel free to reach out to him if you've got more questions. Um, and speaking of reaching out, uh, you can find us on Locals if you want to help support the podcast a little bit, but certainly no need to do so. And uh, if you have questions, say for Scott, and want to reach out and say what's in your sack, how can they get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, you can get me at Scott at rchnv3.com, Scott Graham on Facebook, or RC Heli Graham on Instagram. All right. If you want to get a hold of Mr. Dan Greed, you can reach him at dan at rcnalation.com. If you want to find me, you can catch me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. And uh, Devin, what about you? I, I do want to add one thing. Um, for some of the people that have emailed me, uh, I'm working with this right now as I talk to you today, Rob. Uh, this is today, uh, Monday. I had to think about that. That's pretty sad. Um, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty, so give me a little bit, but I did see them and I do have a response for you. Just give me a little bit and I'll get it fixed. But, you know, laziness doesn't count as a technical difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, Scott, saying, it doesn't. Can you speak in that department either, though? No, oh. but I, at least I don't label it as something it's not. What? Laziness? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm just like, sorry, dude. I got lazy. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I don't blame on my I, modem. <laughs> no, I actually can't I actually can't send my emails. I can only receive. So, yeah, keep sending them. I can't get a viewer response right now. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, I heard Devin only likes to receive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Devin, Goodbye. please give us your email. Um, Save us. If you want to email me, Devin at RCHNV3.com or Devin McClellan on Facebook. There you go. All right. And Rob, before you give us your best love machine song, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Hmm. Um, well, okay. Since Devin has forgotten how to internet, um, we're going to kill two birds with one stone. So what you got to do is you got to call up the Geek Squad and do your best Devin impression. And just tell them, oh, I can't, I can't figure out how to use my email. And uh, tell them that you want them to fix your email and send a message um, that, that won't go. That way, when the Geek Squad fixes the email, it'll be in Devin's box and he can just forward it to me. And I'll know that it's from you and I'll reply. Um, but if you don't trust the Geek Squad or you don't feel like... Uh, uh, doing that for Devin and you want him to figure it out on his own terms, you can just email me directly at rob at rchnv3.com. Um, uh, you can hit me up at uh, on Facebook at uh, NextGenRCFB, on Instagram at NextGenRC, or youtube.com slash NextGenRC. All right, with that, this has been episode 22. What's in your sack? Take us out, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to RC Heli Nation, home of the love machine. Align the TV 70. Slicing through the air like nobody's seen before.
do it. And it's funny too, because at the same time I'm going, this is the scariest thing in my life I've ever done. <laughs> oh my God, that banking turned two feet away from those tree, that tree bank was awesome. And then here it comes back at me. Fuck, I better duck, you know? And, uh, <laughs> that went on for probably two minutes or so in the cul-de-sac there and filled the whole thing up with nitro fumes. I had this thing turn way rich. Right. And, uh, so there's like this combination There's this like smell of adrenaline and nitro fumes in the air. Right. And fear, and, um, and fear. Yeah, fear, right? <laughs> fear and urine, you know, and maybe a little puke in the back of my mouth. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, when all was said and done, the, the, the last thing I remember is the helicopter was pyroing uncontrollably and it was getting smaller and smaller and quieter and quieter and smaller and, and I'm standing there, and you could imagine if you like drove by and you'd see this kid staring up into the air with uh, old 72 megahertz transmitter, like he's about to go fishing or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm like, we got to chase that. And so me and my buddy and my brother go, start going running, and we're trying to follow it. And every now and then, I would stop, and we'd all listen, and <laughs> just barely could hear it in the background, you know. And you see this little speck, and we ran probably for 10 minutes through the woods and down these back dirt roads, and. I bent the transmitter antenna, you know, I had the thing extended. I'm trying to run through trees and stuff with it. And finally we were standing in the middle of the woods. Didn't remember which direction we came to get in there. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> well, I guess that's that. And I look at my controller. And I'm like, at least I have this though, you know? And uh, so I'm sure, you know, some kid probably on his way home or playing outside on the, uh, on his farm or something like that found this helicopter. I mean, shit, the thing probably had like seven, eight minutes left worth of fuel in the thing, maybe six minutes, but it was constantly climbing and heading south. And so, you know, it's going to keep doing that till the motor dies. And I don't know where the pitch was at, but it's either going to sort of auto or dump just way off, I'm miles away, I'm sure, you know, and, uh, but I never heard high or tail of that ever again, you know, and um, I carried that controller around me with me for a while, you know, and eventually one day I was just like, you know, I got to get rid of this thing. This thing has bad mojo. And so, but there, uh, there, yeah, so needless to say, I stayed out of the hobby for a long time. I think that was, oh, that must've been 1996. I think that that happened. And then I didn't get back into helicopters until, um, March of 2008. And yeah. wouldn't you know it, the first helicopter that I tried to restart with was not only an electric, but it could fit in the palm of my hand. Cause it was a Walker four, three. I'm like, I'm not losing this fucker. There's no way I know how. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's uh, yeah. one other there's one other part to that story uh that's actually I think really funny and that's that's the uh the part of the story where you have it in your basement and <laughs> yeah yeah that's right you know I got this thing all tuned up and I'm I've got the starter and I've been playing around with putting it on the starter cone and stuff like that and uh I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to fire this up. I'm going to give it a shot. I've never heard a nitro engine before. <laughs> I, I've never messed with a chainsaw or any other small motor or anything like that. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I get this thing started and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I'm like trying to run back and get the controller. I don't know what's going on. I'm holding the, the head and I'm sure I'm jacking up with the clutch and stuff like that. And the whole basement just turns into smoke. And all of a sudden I hear from behind me, Rob, what the hell are you doing? And I look back and it's my mom standing on the stairs. And I'm looking at her and the, the helicopters, I just turned the helicopter off and I'm standing there like I was caught red handed with candy in my hand or something. And, uh, well, I just wanted to see it start. And she's like, I don't remember what she said, but did, she was pissed off. Did you follow that up with, uh, mom, I think I puked a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a, do you have any Pepto-Bismol and some breath mints? 
<laughs> so anyway, we had a little yeah. detour there, Chris, from your conversation, but I just, that is such a funny story. And there's a lot of listeners that probably remember it, uh, but there's also a lot of listeners that probably haven't heard it. Dude, it's, it's, you know, and the moral of the story, it was all pretty funny. You know, it was exciting. The moral of the story, pre-flight check. Yeah. Anything, I think man. that's actually what we were talking about when that you came. You were, yeah, yeah. 